Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, it seems like in our culture that it's hard, harder to stay married permanently than it used to be. Right, there's so many things that come our way. There are our own choices that get in the way of that. And there are cultural pressures that get in the way of that. Uh, And not a lot of marriages overall make it all the way from the time they get married all the way to the end when one of them goes to be with the Lord. It's hard. And and, uh, it's even harder to be happily married that whole time. Now, if we will go to the Word of God and, and uh, learn what the Lord says about marriage and apply the principles to our lives, uh, we will certainly experience happier marriages. And that's a good thing. But even that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we figure out how do we honor the Lord Jesus Christ with our marriages? How, how do we be married and live out this marriage relationship in a way that, that uh, brings honor and glory to him and where he looks at it and says, I am pleased with this. This is, a do- this is doing what I intended for it to do. Because by the way, God has a much bigger view of what he wants to accomplish with marriage than we do. We tend to have the focus that it's here and it is here, but he wants to do something in us and through us in marriage that goes out there. And so it is, it is crucial. And this is what we've been talking about in this sermon series. How, how do we avoid having dysfunctional families? Uh, remember functional being when something is functional, that means it's functioning properly, it's working well, it's working the way it's supposed to. And as we deviate from that, we become dysfunctional. And so we've really been focusing in on how do we do our families in a way that honors the Lord. And um, so we've, we've come down, this is the last week of, for this, and today we are going to focus in on husbands. Now, as always, uh, we say to all of you, when we talk about specific person, specific role in life like husbands, uh, if you're not a husband here, don't check out because there are lots of principles and truths along the way that will apply to you whether you are a husband or not. Now, if we are going to um, succeed If we are going to be functional in our marriages, and and husbands, last week, and and we'll see this a little bit more uh, as we open the scriptures here today, but last week we saw that the Bible says that you are the head of the wife. This means you have a a responsibility to lead. Um, And it's it's a huge responsibility. But here's the thing, if you are going to succeed at leading, and this is, this is one of those truths that applies way beyond just a husband. But if you are going to succeed at leading, there's something you need to learn and practice. And this is it. In order to lead, you need to learn to follow. If you are going to lead your wife the way the Lord intends, and like I said, we're gonna focus in on that in a little bit, what that means. But if you are going to do that, you need to settle first and foremost that I am going to follow the Lord. 
What the Lord says is what I am going to do. The way the Lord says marriage is to be, that's the way I'm going to try to be. What the Lord says my role is, that is what I'm going to try to do. And you follow the Lord. And by the way, I've heard time and time again over the years as, as wives and sometimes wives and husbands sit and share and talk, is that the one thing the wife would desire, a Christian wife would desire more than anything else, is that her husband, she would know that her husband is following the Lord no matter what, that he is committed because she can trust a man who will always follow the Lord. So if you're going to succeed at leading in the household, you need to learn to follow the Lord. And, and then live that out in your life. So uh, the second thing that you have to settle is something that we looked at last week, uh, and it's in Ephesians 5.21, so let's go there. It's page 1346 in the Bible that's there in the chairs, and if you don't have a Bible with you, we really encourage you to pick up that Bible that's there in the uh, chairs and follow along with us, page 1346. So we read a number of verses here in chapter five and we finally got down to really, I think the hardest part of these verses, um, verse 21, when it says this, that we are to be doing this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another. And we were reminded this, that the Christian life is a life of submission. It's a life of submission. We, We submit ourselves to the Lord. Go ahead and put that up if you would, Mitchell. The Christian life, a life of submission where we, we have to be submitting ourselves to the Lord. And then he says, because we're submitted to the Lord, we need to submit to each other. And you remember that the word submit literally means this. It means here we have two, two people and when one submits to the other, it says they arrange themselves under. That, that's what that means, just literally raise, arrange yourself under. And the idea here is not that you can, so that you will be lorded over, no, you come underneath in order to support, to encourage, to help, okay? And, and there's different ways that we do that. And there's a way that a wife does that and there's a way that a husband does that. But we need to settle this in our hearts that, that as Christians, as a Christian husband, that I am going to submit myself to my wife because I fear the Lord. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. If you've been around, you know, in church for a long time, you say, wait, I don't think that lines up with what the Bible says about the husband's role. It does, and you'll see. But the idea is we're called to submit. Now, the question is, how do we do that? How do we submit to each other in our marriages? Because there's a mutual submission there. How do we submit to each other. What does that look like? Last week we talked about that for wives. Well today we wanna talk about that for husbands. But let's just do a quick review here, uh, starting in verse 22 of what we looked at last week. It says this, wives submit your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. And so wives submit to their own husbands. And down in verse 33, it talks about respecting your husbands. And so it's this respectful submission, this respectful attitude toward him that says, yes, I want you to fill this role in my life. I want you to be this godly husband who, who leads me. 
and desiring that and communicating that in both your, your words, in your attitudes, your actions, communicating that, all right? But now we, we see something here in verse 23. While not an instruction to husbands, applies to husbands. So let's look at there again. It says, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And so Christ being the head of the church is, is the picture that Paul is pointing us to here for our example as husband being head of the wife. Now, a couple of things here. The scripture here does not say, husbands, you need to be the head of your wife. And look, am I right about that? It doesn't say that, it says that you are. At that time when you came together before the Lord and you made these vows to each other in the sight of God and, and these witnesses we talk about when we get married, that at that point, God not only made you one, but he also made you as the husband, the head. And so this is not an optional thing. It isn't a thing where you get to choose, well, I will be the head or I won't. You are the head. And you're either becoming a great head or you are becoming a lousy one. See what I mean? That's the choice. That's the choice that you make. Am I going to follow the Lord and become a godly head in this relationship or am I gonna shirk my responsibilities and not do that? And we ought to really be motivated, made, motivated by this because the reality is, men, that one day we will stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and he will evaluate how we've done and whether or not we wasted this part of our life or whether we really connected with it and grew in it and let God use us in it. It is so important that we recognize. In fact, you know how important this is, the idea of the head, because um, the head is, is so important that when the head is not there, like the head is not in the relationship, that relationship is still impacted by that fact, isn't it? The fact that the man, his husband is not there, not being what he's supposed to be doing, not doing, and it affects it, it is so crucial that you understand that you have this role. Now, it's very important that we understand too what it does not mean. We think if you were the head, that means that you are going to rule over. Well, a couple of things. Do you remember last week we saw in this passage of scripture here that God never tells husbands to make their wives submit? He doesn't. He says you are the head. That means you need to, to be leading, you need to be protecting, uh, and if your wife chooses not to submit to you in that, that doesn't change your responsibility. You keep seeking to lead. You find, how do I lead in this situation? You keep loving and doing that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But the idea is that you are this head. You have this role that you need to fill. And, and there's, but there's something that's even over this that's above this, it's bigger than this. So let's go back into the scripture here and see. As he actually begins to talk specifically to the husbands. Now before I do that, let me just, this is, I didn't really have this notes here to say this, but he says that, that husbands are the head of the wife, it's also Christ is head of the church. How does Christ lead, lead the church? Does he lord it over us? He is Lord, right? We are to follow him, we're to seek to know him, to know his desires, his will, and we're to follow him. But the way he rules over us is he, he, he calls us into a loving relationship with him. 
He says, come know me. You remember when he says, take my yoke upon you, remember that? He says, come to me, who, you who are weary and tired and worn out, come to me. Take my yoke upon you, and what you're gonna find is that my yoke is what? Easy, my burden is light. Why? Because he loves us, and he leads us in a way that is not burdensome and that is not harsh. And you know how much freedom he gives us? There are churches all over the world today that are meeting that do not look like this church. They do not follow the same kind of schedule that we're following. Church can be done so many different ways, different places, different cultures, so many different ways, and he lets us do what? Make those kinds of choices. I mean, we have so much freedom under the Lord's leadership. But the idea is we ought to be desiring to know what does he want and what are his desires and, and, and putting those things into place. So that's the kind of leadership we need to provide for our wives. But let's get specific here, the instructions for husbands. Verse number 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And it's gonna continue on down. We'll look at these in just a minute. But wives, submit to your husbands, respect them. Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church. And so when we ask the question up above, how do we submit to each other in marriage? Wives submit by showing a respectful submission to their husbands. Husbands submit to their wives by loving them like Christ loves the church. Well, how is that submitting? Well, we're gonna see how that is submitting, okay? As the Lord tells us what this means and, and how we love this way. Um, and so this goes back to what I was just talking about when talking about the husband being the head. Um, and by the way, if, if, I, if, if it seems to you like I'm kinda you know, bouncing back and forth here today, just, just bear with me because there are so many things to talk about Right? And so, um, every now and then I think of something I wanna clarify for you. So, how does a husband love his wife? Well, one of the things he does is he leads her the way Christ leads the church. He leads her, he, he leads by his own example. He leads spiritually, in other words, he's the one out front growing in his relationship with Christ. Uh, you lead by following the Lord. And all these things are really challenges to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. You cannot love properly if you are not surrendered to the Lord. And so you need to lead in that aspect of it. So let's, let's focus in here now on when he begins to describe what this means. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. What did Christ give up? I mean, the Son of God becomes a human. He is now human forever. He's also God, 100% God, 100% human. But he is now human forever. He made that choice because he loves us, okay? And came and experienced all the stuff that we do, yet without sin. And, and so he gave that up. What he gave up, Freedom from sin, right? Because they had no, no direct contact, interaction with sin. And he comes down here and, and exposes himself to it and then actually takes it upon himself. And, and the suffering that he experienced 
You know, we tend to focus in on the physical suffering, which was beyond comprehension, but that wasn't his biggest suffering. His biggest suffering is when he took the guilt for me. All of my sins, the sins that I have committed in my life, the sins that I committed this week, right? He took it and bore the guilt. How do you feel when you feel guilty? Is that something you look forward to? You like it? No, it's very unpleasant, isn't it? And yet when we feel guilty, we know that, well, we feel guilty, why? Because, well, that we did it, we deserve it. Christ had to take that guilt and bear it when he did not deserve it. And so, think what he gave up, and so many things that, that we probably don't even understand. That's what it says, we love our wives the way Christ loved the church, and, and he showed us, he loves us by, he gave himself for us. He gave himself, he didn't give a few minutes. He didn't give some physical possession. He gave himself. Now, I don't know about you husbands, but I think about it and I go, whoa. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I think that what we have to understand is that how, how precious is the church to Christ? How precious is the church to God? Well, what did he spend to purchase it, right? That tells you how precious it is to him, how precious we are. And so, this is about settling, men, that our wives are more important to us. After the Lord, our wives are more important to us than anything else in our lives. Now, that's a challenge. Because for a lot of us as men, isn't our work important to us? You know, especially if you're doing something that you really like. You know, you're pursuing something that's really important to us. So there might be some hobby that we really love, whatever it is. And we got to say, settle. no, 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 wait, you know, my wife is more important to me than any of those things. I would give up any of those things for her well-being. Remember the definition of love, which we often talk about when we talk about godly love. God's love is this reality that he has chosen to value us in such a way that he always acts in our best interests, even when it's costly to him. That's what Christ did, didn't it? He chose to value us so much that he came and acted in our best interests, even though it was costly to him. That's the kind of love we are called to love our wives with. So here's how you love your wife like Christ then. Loving your wife like Christ means this, choosing to value her highly enough to always act in her best interest, even when it's costly to you. Willingness to set aside, to pay any price, to do what it takes to meet her legitimate needs. Now, when you look at love like this, this understanding of love, and this is the way God loves us, this is the way Christ loved us, this is the way we are to love our wives, and by the way, this is the way we are to love each other, okay, as Christians. But when we love our wives this way, this is not romantic love. This is not romantic love. When you think of romance, that's not romantic love. This is a very practical, very purposeful, 
very matter of fact, living out this love. That's what this is. It's not romantic love. In fact, in our culture, this is one of the reasons that people have a hard time staying married today. Because what they do is they come together and, and you remember, I mean, I remember it. When I, you remember when I first really took notice of this young lady that I ended up marrying, weird things happened to me. You know what I mean? I see her walking down the aisle, church, and I think, Oh, I don't even know how to explain what it was. <laughs> I didn't do that, you know. I acted weird in other ways. Whole other story, but you get that. And, and same thing for a young woman, sees a man and he looks at her and oh, this whole thing goes on and we had this whole romance thing going on. And that is so cool, that is so fun. But the problem is, is if you build your marriage on romance, at some point the foundation for that marriage is gonna crumble. It's going to. Because romance comes and goes. It's kind of like the tide. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's not. And when you build your, your marriage relationship, and we call, that, we call that love, don't we? But it's not the kind of love that God is talking about. This is the kind of love that God is telling us that we need to have for each other. Because that endures. That endures. And, and, and let me, so, so the idea here is what happens in marriages in our culture? When the romance fades away, what do people tend to do? They step away, don't they? And all of a sudden there's somebody else that catches their eye and something, you know, that feeling starts. And so they leave one marriage and go to another. Or they stay in the marriage and violate their marriage vows. Bad news. So let me, let me let you in on a little secret about romance. Lasting romance, lasting romance is the result of love, not the cause of it. In other words, when you choose to love like we're talking about, love the way that, that God says we ought to love, love like Christ has loved us, when we love that way, and live that out, that can produce a romance that endures and lasts. And where you, when you are in your 80s and been married for 60 years, there's still romance there. You know, even when you're shuffling along, hey honey. <laughs> Lasting romance, because you have learned to love the way the Lord says to love. All right, so let's, let's take a look. What does this look like? Continue to talk about what it looks like here. So we love our wives the way Christ loved the church and he gave himself for them. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And, and I think the idea here is taking the spiritual lead here. Uh, you, are, you are ministering to your wife uh, caring about her well-being. By the way, for you to help your wife to understand God's word and apply it in her lives, what do you need to be doing for yourself? You must be in the word. You must be seeking to know the Lord and what he says and understanding it and applying it to your own life. And so you're, you're taking the lead there. So you're leading spiritually and then you're in a position to help her. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 
And just like the wife is called to respect her husband when he yet isn't fully respectable, remember God's method is you treat him as though he already is what he's supposed to be, and that helps him. Well, so the husband looks to his wife and, and he sees who she is becoming. Who is God making her to be? And he sees her that way and he values her that way and he treats her that way and it helps her to become that. Okay? So let's continue. Where, where does it, so where does this lead? This is how we love. Where does it lead us? Verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Who is going to be the biggest beneficiary in this world of you loving your wife the way God says? You, right? If I, if I will focus on trying to love my wife the way God says, I ultimately am the one who benefits. Now, um, this, that, that can start to sound like a selfish thing then, right? Ooh, I'm doing this because I'm gonna get something out of it. Well, if you're doing that, you're not loving her like Christ loves the church. But the reality, men, is that you will benefit. And then he talks about how we take care of ourselves. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Don't we try to take care of ourselves pretty much? Now, as I say take care of ourselves, we, we don't always do such a good job of that. But do you try to avoid pain in your body? Yes. And who, who typically endures pain better in your household, you or your wife? You guys don't have the same experience as I do? You know, if I come down with a bad cold, I say, I gotta spend the day in bed. I go to bed. Not my wife, man. She's gotta keep going, she does. And so, uh, I'm glad, so glad the wife has the babies, not me. Uh, however this works. Uh, but my point is, is this, that we take care of ourselves. We do care about ourselves. We, we wanna sleep, try to sleep when we feel like sleeping. We eat when we feel like eating. We, we, take medicine, if we, we do it, we, we like our bodies, we take care of ourselves. And he says that's the kind of focus we need to have with our wives. Because really we are one. We need to care for that way. He talks about two things. One is he talks about nourishing, right? We nourish our bodies and so we need to nourish our wives. Well how do we do that? Well, you know as well as I do men, there are things that nourish your wife, things that make her feel like she can do what she needs to do, right? How your relationship is going. She feels empowered to live and do the things that she has to do when you are nourishing her, when you are, are talking with her, you're communicating with her, you're caring, you're, you're helping with the things that she needs help with, whatever. That nourishes her. I, I am amazed, and it's, it's, I'm sure you know, there's a little bit of stereotype here, but I am just amazed at how women work. Go, 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 go. And doing so much that matters. And yet they really need to be supported in that. See, so we come under them. We submit ourselves to them by somehow rather encouraging that, helping that. By the way, this is where something like love languages comes into play. Okay, and if you don't know what that is, it's idea we all have different ways that we 
tend to express love in the way we tend to feel love. And so you're going to figure out what is your wife's love language and how can I then minister to her in a way that really makes her feel loved and supported. Uh, I've already posted online on Facebook in a couple places um, an assessment you can take to figure out what your love language is. And then your spouse could take that. And, and you can get this nice little report and you know, it tells you what your love language is primarily and how that's expressed, how that's received. But what I encourage you to do is to do something like that and then sit down with your wife, wives and your husbands and let's talk about this. Let's talk because you know what? Your understanding of this affects how you experience your relationship. And whether, if, if you get this and act on it, your wife gets nourished. And that's one of the things we're supposed to do, is to nourish her. Now, the next word is cherish. Cherish your wife. Now, over the years, I, I, I would say, I don't know, half the time maybe or more, when I sit with a couple and they've come and there's, things are hard, things aren't going well, they're looking for help, and we sit there and talk and I'll, I'll walk through some of the scripture and I'll, and I'll ask the wife, I said, as we talk, I said, do you, do you feel cherished? And I don't know how many times I can tell you that's when all of a sudden the tears run down the face because she doesn't feel cherished. Not that her husband's trying not to, but she doesn't feel cherished. And so this idea of cherishing our wives is somehow or other, when we somehow communicate to them that they, that they really are the most important person in our lives besides the Lord. They really are. And that, that we desire to know them. We, we care about how they feel about things. We delight in them. We, you know, we enjoy them. They, we want to to have them be part of our lives and however we communicate these things. And I will say to you that when we're cherishing that this is romantic. When you cherish your wife. And if you don't know what that is, how to do it, have that conversation. I know some of you say, have that conversation. We can't talk about what we're doing for supper without getting into it. Well, fine, let's get some help. Get some help from a, a couple who's farther down the road than you are or with pastors or somebody who can give you some counseling and help you with that. But we need to nourish and we need to cherish and that, that cherishing is romantic. Let me read to you here just a short portion of, a, of the book, Straight Talk to Men and Their Wives by James Dobson, an old book. But he tells a story in here of a surgeon watching a young couple. And the surgeon had had to do surgery to remove a tumor from this young woman's cheek. And in the process, there was no way around that he had to cut a nerve, which then caused her lips to droop and curl. Okay? And he tells this story. He says, I stand by the bed where a young woman lies, her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, clownish. A tiny twig of the facial nerve, the one to the muscles of her mouth has been severed. She will be like this from now on. The surgeon had followed with religious fervor the curve of her flesh, I promise you that. Nevertheless, to remove the tumor in her cheek, I had cut the little nerve. 
Her young husband is in the room. He stands on the opposite side of the bed and together they seem to to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me, private. Who are they, I ask myself? He and this twisted mouth I have made, who gaze at and touch each other so generously, greedily. The young woman speaks. She says, will my mouth always be like this? Yes, I say, it will. Because the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent. But the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. All at once I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with such a godly man. Unmindful, he bends to kiss her crooked mouth And I so close I can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate to hers, to show her that their kiss still works. I hold my breath and let the wonder in. That's cherishing, isn't it? I cherish you more than anything. I would do whatever it takes. So husbands, you have a huge responsibility, huge. And in order to lead, you need to learn to follow. You need to settle this between you and the Lord, that I am following you, Lord, through this no matter what. And in closing here, let me just point out something for husbands and wives. Let's bring this all back together for the marriage for both of you. Up in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In verse 23, as also Christ is head of the church. As the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. And he talks about what Christ does with the church, how the Lord nourishes and cherishes the church. And then verse 32, he says this. This is a great mystery, this whole marriage thing but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The Lord's intent, the Lord's intent here is that our marriages are about more than our marriages. Our marriages are about portraying to the world around us the relationship between God and his people. That's what it's supposed to be. And so, so I ask you, husbands, today, if the world has to figure out what God's relationship was like with his people and how God loves his people, and they have to learn it by looking at you, what kind of message are they gonna get? Are they gonna get this really awesome message of how God loves his people, or are they gonna get something that's kind of messed up, kind of twisted, kind of self-serving? Wives, if, if the the world around you has to see you and look at you to figure out well, how are we supposed to relate to God you know, in this relationship that we have with him? How are we supposed to do that? And they, had to, they could only learn it from you. What would they learn? Would they get a good, accurate picture of how we're supposed to interact with the Lord or would they see something that's kind of messed up, kind of twisted? 
We have a big responsibility here. This picture stuff matters. Those of you who are in life groups, and I encourage you to be in one, but you're gonna be talking about some of that this week. It really, really does matter. And then let me give you one last encouragement, challenge, whatever you wanna call it, about your role in this portrayal. Wives, what God has called you to do is to give your husband an example every day of how he is supposed to surrender to the Lord. How your husband, you're showing your husband how he should be submissive to God. Are you providing him that example? And husbands, you are to to be showing your wife every day how God loves her. How God loves her so that when she opens the word and when she's challenged in life, that she can really believe that God does love me and I can do this. And she can believe it because she has experienced it from you. Big challenges here. And so we all need to settle here today. Are we going to live our lives God's way or not? You're in a family, you have a role to fill. Are you gonna say yes to God about that? Or are you gonna go your own way? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you tell us in your word these things. Thank you that you've included us in something that's way bigger than ourselves, that you want to accomplish great things through our families, through our relationships in our families. And I pray that we would yield ourselves to you and your word. I pray, Father, all the questions that we have about how this is supposed to work, that we would, we would pursue those things, pursue them with you, pursue them with godly people, but we would settle Even before we have the answers to all those questions, we would settle that it's your way that we are going to accept and live by. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.